yeah, Trump used to uh, go on the show and he famously said he's never been sick. And then he also said that uh, he doesn't change diapers. That's when his son was born. And we asked him if he's going to change diapers. And he's basically said, no, man, that's not my job. You're going to be a new father again in the near future? I am. Well, do, you, I am. do you actually change diapers? No, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> he's not good. <laughs> not one, right? No, I don't do it. It's not my thing. I, you know what? I'm a good father, but that's not my thing. And, and Melania's going to be a great mother. Yeah, but it's no yeah. one's thing. <laughs> but we no, but some women, well, it, it, to a large extent, it's up to the women. There are a lot of women out there that, you know, demand that the husband act like the wife. Yeah. And, you know, I there are like a lot of husbands this. that listen to that. So, you know, they yeah. go for it. But do you hire one person to be the diaper changer or... No, Melania really is going to be fantastic. Right. She's she is She's going to be a fantastic mother. And by the way, if if I had a different type of wife, yeah. I probably wouldn't have a baby, you know, you know, because that's just not my thing. I'm I'm really like a great father, but certain things you do and certain things you don't. It's just not for me. Yeah. Oh God, it was glorious. Mitch McConnell's freezing again because I think, as uh, as we used to say, he had to make. <laughs> and you know when you have to make, everything shuts down for for a few seconds. <laughs> that's what I love. That's what I would love to think happened. Let's make it fun at least. But then you know there are people out there. Like I said, he's being controlled by some woman off camera with a remote, and she turns him on and off. And maybe she made a mistake and went, oh, man, I wasn't supposed to turn him off yet. we got to let him answer his questions, do his little speech. Then we turn him off and put him in his uh, glass box until the next time we need him. When you got a good one brewing, you know, nothing else matters. That's You know that Metallica song, Nothing Else Matters? That's, that's what that song is about. When you have one brewing and all of a sudden time stands still, you're not thinking about anything anymore, and you just, everything stops so you can get the brew out. What the hell is going on with Mitch McConnell? This is the second time he's done it in public. So if he's done that twice in public where he freezes, where he doesn't know where he is, you got to think he's done it a, a, a close to 100 times when, when the cameras are not on. But anyway, this Mitch McConnell, um, I think, you know, I think it's, uh, you know what? Who cares what I think? How about that, Ope? Who cares what you think? I'll say this much. Everybody's yelling and screaming, you know, we need to, we need, we need, we need, we need term limits. We need term limits down there in Washington. I don't partake in those conversations because uh, it's a waste of time. Those guys will never vote for term limits. They got cushy jobs. Why would they, why would they vote for their cushy jobs to end at a certain age? So me and you... We're yelling and screaming, these guys are too old. It doesn't matter. They'll ignore that. They'll absolutely ignore that. So these guys will just pretty much die in their seats. Because then, you know, the spin down there in Washington was, you know, actually after that episode, he, he was pretty good and he ended up answering a few more questions. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I hope he's not driving still. Ah, whatever. They just made for great TV once again yesterday. And then there are people out there that are convinced that they're turning him on and off with some kind of remote. 
I think there's some lady that's controlling Mitch McConnell and she turns him on and off at times. That's that's the conspiracy I lied. And they're like, look at the video. The first one especially. She touches his hand and he freezes. <laughs> Have fun with that. So, yeah, okay, there's a lady controlling Mitch McConnell. And when she's not in the picture, you know, the only reason I guess she went out and touched him to make him freeze was because the remote wasn't working. But the remote was working yesterday and she was able to turn him on and off yesterday from a remote location with a remote. OP Radio. Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Howard Stearns, Hot Dog, Baba Booey. Sauce on side. Damn, bruh. You're bringing the heat. You're bringing the heat. Damn, bruh. Gang, gang. I don't know what to do with that when someone yells a Baba Booey at me. What am I going to do? That's why back in the day when I was doing Opie and Anthony, you know, um, the Howard Stern fans came at us hard and we would just laugh at all of them. And that was the difference between us and other radio shows. You know, there were other radio shows. Uh, uh, a Stern caller would call in and go Baba Booey. They would freak out like it was the end of the world. People would call us, go Baba Booey. And we would basically, basically excuse me, go, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, Bubba Booey. Yeah, all right. What are you doing? Are you all right, bro? Bubba Booey. Okay, Bubba Booey to you, too. <laughs> and then these other radio shows, someone would go Bubba Booey. The, the panic would be in the air. They would pretty much shut down the radio show, go to commercial for 15 or 20 minutes to try to figure out a strategy. <laughs> that was the difference between us and many, many radio shows out there. Baba Boo, oh Baba Booey, huh? What else you got? Baba Booey. Okay, Baba Booey, right back at you, sir. I heard an old show where you were saying you would follow a girl home after school, but never got the courage to talk to her. Nick Anderson. Now I understand what you're talking about. I I didn't. Okay, all right. I am going to make this perfectly clear. I wasn't a stalker or a creep. I was just a kid with uh, a lot of hormones that were ra uh, raging through my body. And I was very, very attracted to this, uh, this blonde. And I would walk home from school from time to time. She walked home every day. And I believe this happened once, may maybe, I'll give myself a little wiggle room, maybe twice. And she took off. And I'm like, all right, I... I um I am gonna catch up to her. Oh man, if this doesn't bring back memories for a lot of you guys, I'm gonna catch up to her and I'm gonna have a conversation with her. And then fast forward, we're gonna be boyfriend and girlfriend, and we're gonna hold hands every once in a while and barely kiss, but say we're going steady. So she takes off. I uh, I walk about. Uh, I don't know, man. I was such a shy kid in in um, especially high school. I was walking maybe 100 yards behind her, and I was trying the entire time to get the urge to walk faster so I could catch up with her and have a conversation with her. And I was thinking all I need to do is have a conversation, say hi, a little small talk, and next thing you know, we're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend. And then I'm going to invite her to the prom. And then we're going to stay out all night at Robert Moses. Well, I was such a wimp. I was a wimp of a kid. Uh, I got my balls after I graduated uh, high school, that's for sure. Um, 
I I sped up. I got 90 yards away, and then that was too close. Then I got, I backed off to 100 yards away. Then I got around 85 yards away. Then I backed all the way up to 105 yards away. Long story short, this this walk uh, uh, to her, her house, and then then I was further than that. Was I don't know doing like uh, I'm doing the Google Maps in my head right now. It was less than two miles, maybe a mile, a little over a mile. I never got the courage to get closer than maybe 75 yards away from her. And the whole time I'm shaking inside, just shaking inside, trying everything in my being to get the, uh, the bravery uh, to walk up to her and just say hi. And then all of a sudden uh, I saw from a, from a distance, <laughs> from a distance, she's off the main road and went down. I believe it was like, uh, I think some like kind of like uh, side road where you didn't go down the side road unless you lived there. So I'm like, ah, oh, I missed my opportunity. Cause the whole thing was, I wanted to catch up to her and make it look like, Oh, Hey, Oh, 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 anyway, make believe it was like just casual, you know, I'm walking home too. Hi. Well, anyway, how's school going for you? So I never got close. I, I, I just, my, my whole body, I, you know how you're like just trying to commit to something nice. You're just trying and you just can't, you can't cross the line and commit. Ah, I know I did that one time, Nick. I might've done it twice, maybe, but that was it. I, I mean, that was it. I never got the urge and no, it's so funny. She never knew I liked her. She never, she never knew. I just, I just wimped out. And then in my, uh, my yearbook, I, uh, I wrote a little code about, uh, her and it was something about how I, I liked, I liked Texas A&M. Uh, cause I think that was A&M were her initials. So in code, I left a little message for her on my yearbook. Ew. Ew. That is a true story. You can point, point and laugh, point and laugh if you need to. Oh, but you remember that. You remember that crap, especially when you're young and you're just trying to be brave to talk to a girl. Oh, God. Then some guys, you know, they they would show up in the morning fully shaved, and by the end of the day, they had a five o'clock shadow, and those guys had no problem. No problems whatsoever to talk to the to the girls. You would be just shaking, trying to get up the the nerve to walk up to someone and have a conversation with them. Oh my god! What were your thoughts on Stern going after Mancow's dad and basically coming on to the guy from Philly's ex-wife on his show? He was an evil f. The hell, the hell you and Aunt gave him back then was. Well deserved. W a man. Look, I was not. Uh, I was not an innocent uh, shock jock. That's for sure. Um, we can discuss that at a later date. So I want to acknowledge that part of this. I was not a innocent shock jock. But you know. Stern deserves everything that is thrown at him. Everything that is thrown at him. 
a narcissist that had a fill that filled that ego every single day uh, when he turned on those microphones. And I'll tell you why he's a piece of garbage, W man. He went after um, he went after Weez's, uh uh, mentally challenged daughter up there in Rochester. Weez wasn't even, Weez was always respectful towards uh, Stern. Uh, Brother Weez always did his own thing. I look at Brother Weez as my mentor way before I would uh, Howard Stern. And because he needed his ego filled, he's going into a small market, Rochester, and he goes, what's the dirt on the big guy? That was his M.O., and uh, he found out that we've had a mentally uh, challenged daughter who's absolutely, I mean, she is absolutely awesome. She's hilarious. She's got an amazing personality and she just brings sunshine wherever she goes. But that is the truth. That's why Stern's a piece of garbage because you know what? We's great radio host, still doing it, still having fun. He doesn't have to do radio anymore, but he's another guy that just loves the game, loves doing it. And Howard needed his little ego filled in this little market called Rochester, New York, that he went after Weez's daughter. When Weez never had a bad word to say about Stern. So he's garbage for that. But to be fair, the good, the bad, the ugly. I like that theme on these live streams and, and on my podcast. Uh, to Stern's credit, he uh, definitely, uh, I know for a fact, because Weez told me the, the whole conversation. Um Howard Stern reached out to Weez and apologized. So, you know, you got to, you know what? You, you, this is going to confuse some people. It's going to confuse you. Cheers to Howard Stern for being man enough many years later to, uh, you know, call up uh, Brother Weez and apologize for that. Cheers. I get that. I've apologized uh, to people for stuff I did while doing my radio show. They went after Man Cow's dad. The fact is, uh, Howard Stern never beat Brother Weez in Rochester, and the fact is, he never beat Man Cow in Chicago. And uh, and there you go. And and you know what? Um, I know Howard just gets so frustrated by me because for years and years I never let it go. And I've told this. I saw what Howard did to Brother Weez. Because even Anthony was like, ah. and I'm like, nah, man, this is personal. I'm sorry. Uh, I saw what Howard did to Brother Weez with the daughter thing. And Brother Weez is everything to me. He's like a father figure. He's like a best friend. He's like a brother. He's an, and a mentor. He fills so many boxes in my life, right? And I uh, and I remember how much that hurt Brother Weez because, like, Weez is a, he's, he's a good soul. And he never said anything bad about Howard. And I remember how much that hurt. And I remember I was I was just a nobody when all that went down. A literal nobody. And I remember saying to myself, man, if I ever, if I ever get the chance, if I ever get the chance, and boy, did I get the chance. So I can honestly say that um, all that started, and then there were other dumb things that Howard did to me personally, and then uh, Opie and Anthony in general. But that was, that was the seed. If Howard ever wants to know what was the seed that started the whole thing, that was it. I was, uh, I was just getting started on radio. I was a nobody. The guy I really looked up to was hurting. 
because Howard was taking cheap shots at his daughter when when Wee's had nothing bad to say about Howard at all. Probably even praised him if you want to know the God's honest truth. That was the seed that was planted. I go, if I ever get a chance, and I got my chance. Get back together with Anthony. Oh, boy, that, that, you know, I haven't had that question or that comment in a long, long time. I think, honestly, you know, I don't, I'm not even mad at the people that say get back with Anthony. Because, look, um, I, too, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I talk to a fraction of the audience I used to. And so does he. So I don't think a lot of people really understand fully what has happened to Anthony which has made it impossible to get the show back together. So I don't fault you anymore. I, I realize that his audience is so teeny. Look, I got to say, my audience is so teeny. Make mine a little higher. His is this. Mine's this. His is this. Mine's this. <laughs> that I don't think. Uh, I don't think the masses are are aware fully uh with what happened to anthony making it impossible for an opiate anthony reunion so you know i'm gonna take a different tack today i don't blame you for asking but i honestly i gotta tell you you just haven't been keeping uh keeping tabs on anthony and paying attention i went to the uh, donald trump roast my dear old friend rich voss finally could take care of me and anthony finally and you know what we did for this guy over the years. He finally could take care of me and Anthony. I got tickets for the Donald Trump roast, and I want you guys to come as my guests. I'm like, well, damn. And, you know, he got to do uh, some time on the roast. I'm like, well, this is going to be just a lovely, lovely thing. Me and Anthony get there. We meet up with Rich Voss. We get our tickets. I'm like, all right, man. We're Looking at the floor like, oh, I wonder which big celebrity we're going to be sitting next to. Looking around and then Voss doesn't know how to tell us. He's like, uh, your, your tickets are, what? You're on the thing. Yeah, your tickets are. <sighs> so then we march up. I forgot where this was. It was a giant hotel in New York. <laughs> Everybody that's. That's that is anyone from New York City is uh, sitting on the floor. Huge dais. Trump sitting there. Little side side story. He couldn't take any of the jokes, and all the comedians were told not to mess with his hair. No hair jokes, but I think a few of them were brave enough to do it, including I think Vaz. So it was everybody that's somebody in New York City. I, I walked in to the thing following Cheryl Teague's ass, just to give you an idea. I literally was following her ass into this thing. Rich goes. So me and Anthony, were we getting along this day? Probably not. Just walking and walking and walking all the way up. Trump looked this big. And we were sitting behind a pylon. <laughs> Tanks for nothing, Voss. He finally could do something for us. We literally, I'm sure we made fun of this uh, on the show. Some of you old timers that know uh, the show way more than me at this point. I'm, I'm sure we beat the crap out of him. 
you can finally do something for us. And we and Trump was this big. Oh, it was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Oh, what was your fondest memory of Patrice on ONA? I, I don't really have any memories of Patrice. He was just, you know, he was just a guy that came in. I don't really have any memories of Patrice. Sorry. So this is what Kevin Bryant had to say very, very recently on his MLC podcast. And I'm not going to lie to you. I, I really, really appreciated this a lot. Setting the record straight. I'll turn up the volume so maybe you could hear this TikTok, okay? <laughs> but they're watching the video on YouTube and Facebook if you want to move over there. Oh, and, oh, and uh, Twitter. I think I'm live on Twitter today. It's glorious because uh, I don't get, I don't see any Twitter hate when I'm live streaming. It's absolutely a perfect scenario. And I'll, I'll vouch for Kumia. I'll vouch for Opie. I'll vouch for Norton. Norton is is on the radio. Is this is light is so quick. It, sometimes it like, like I said, I've been there sometimes early morning. It blows my mind how fucking quick uh, Norton is. And and Opie's a Opie's a great host. You you can say whatever you want about. Him. Opie was a great fucking host. I, the first time I went in there, Opie couldn't have made me feel more comfortable. And the fact that him and Norton weren't, weren't getting along, and I didn't sense it at all. It was still fun. Uh, and and Opie loves uh, a shit talker like me. Opie, Opie, Opie probably was the one that's like, this guy's fucking radio gold. Because Kumia's too... Kumia's too... It's about Kumia with Kumia. Kumia's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Kumia. I'm great. You know, he is great, but he's too much, uh, you know, it's about me and whatever I think. And, and, but Opie's more like, yeah, this guy's fucking, this guy's crazy. So Opie, the reason, one of the, you know, the reason, all three were good, but, but they all had their strength. And Opie was a great host. Kumi is hilarious. That's a fact. I mean, the impressions, just talking, he's, he's great. But he is, is he a good as host as Opie? No, he's not, because it's too much about him. Wants to talk about politics and fucking guns and and whatever. And I mean, he's still a good host. Is he as good as Opie? No, no, no. Kevin Brennan, thank you very much. This cheers goes out to Kevin Brennan. I don't know if I'll ever do your live stream, but cheers on um, on that uh, very honest take as far as the Opie and Anthony show goes with Jim Norton. Thank you very much. I have plenty of memories with the Patrice O'Neill. Plenty. I simply put, like, uh, when I knew I was hanging out with Patrice after the show, which was here and there, it wasn't on a, a, a regular basis, but he did a lot for our show. So he went to a lot of things with us, and uh, and it was just an adventure every single time. He would hold court wherever we go. We went and just got pizza at, like, uh, I don't know, the best pizza place in New York, Sabaros or whatever they're called. And he would just hold court and make everybody laugh. And he would just work the whole place. Next thing you know, it, it turned into almost like a mini comedy club. He had such a aura about him that people were just drawn to his energy. Oh, it was just awesome. Always in establishments, he would shush everybody. And everyone would turn around like, where did that shush come from? And we would just be giggling like idiots. It was all just the dumb, simple little things with him. Having one of the big movie reviewers in New York uh, tell him, who asked you? It's one of my favorites. I always get the guy's name wrong. I think it was, uh, it doesn't matter. Sandy Kenyon, I think. 
Is that his name? He's like a big uh, film critic here in New York City. No one cares about him. And we saw Cloverfield and it stunk on ice. And I don't remember anymore exactly what uh, Patrice said, but he basically said something like, that sucked or that stunk or that stinks. And he said it so loud and everyone just starts laughing because everyone was feeling the same thing. That Cloverfield could have been a great movie. That stupid shaky cam was just the dumbest idea ever. Ever. Because the movie itself uh, was pretty badass. The writing was kind of cool. When I think of Sandy Kenyon. I think that's his name. And he's like, no one asked you. And usually when someone like hits you with something like that, you get angry right away. And most humans would. And Patrice just goes like this. Ah! That laugh of his. Ah! <laughs> just points and laughs at the guy. The guy grabs his little notepad that he was writing his stupid notes on for his review that no one is going to give a crap about. And he marches away. He turns his back on Patrice. And Patrice is laughing and just points like this. Patrice would not let it go. When he knew he it was working, he, would, he wouldn't just stop. Because now the guy's walking, so he's still laughing. He's walking out of the aisle, up the row, and out the, uh, out the back door. Oh, that's the stuff that I truly miss. And then the radio stuff speaks for itself, obviously. His deep, out-of-nowhere felt like concepts on things were just phenomenal. His bit about uh, eating like endangered species and just eating the blowhole of a whale. Throw, like, just throwing the rest of the whale away just so he could eat the blowhole. Just brilliant, deep, well-thought-out concepts. And you almost got to think that he wrote down ahead of time, but I've, I've said it a million times. I don't know when I was watching Patrice with planned material that he had written down and stuff he was just doing off the cuff. I'm sure a lot of these things he's thought about in uh, broad strokes, but actually writing it out, writing out the bit. I don't know when he actually wrote out the bits and when he was just just going with it. That was the beauty of that guy. You'd go see him and his stand-up, you would be like... Is he making all of this up in front of our eyes? He was a natural at it. I, 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 he worked hard, so I would imagine that uh, no. But he made it feel like he was uh, doing everything off the cuff. You know when you go see a comedian and, and, and every – I personally don't like this, but who am I? But um, a lot of comedians, they, they need their bits incredibly polished where they take out one word – They'll do the same bit for months in comedy clubs and then they'll adjust one word or they got to move this over here a little and that. And after a while, sure, the bit's uh, obviously funny, but it's so polished, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just a bit in the end. And with Patrice, I love the comedians that they're on that stage and look, they work hard too, but they, it's not as polished. There's a little dirt in there and, uh, and it just feels more natural to me. But most comedians, they work so hard that they're like, oh, that I can't use that word and I got to substitute this word for this word over here and I'm going to move the first joke over here. And it almost feels like it's, it's, uh, it's you know, it's thought out too much.
I love watching all these stupid reporters getting wet and pretending they are falling over. They're, it's just, it's just dumb at this point. It really is dumb. They gotta like reinvent that crap. But the, when they're like, you know, leaning all the way over, don't you don't come out here. Of course not. Of course not. Or then they show the reporters, and then you got the surfers, right? The surfers are just like, we wait for this. We only get to do this once every couple of years. And the surfers know what they're doing with the big uh, waves. And you get the dumb report. I can't believe there's anybody in the water right now. Oh, they're so dishonest. Surfers, surf, have you ever checked out any surfing videos online? There are guys that could surf 100-foot waves. So if there's some uh, decent waves coming into uh, you know the coastline of Florida when a, when a hurricane's coming in, trust me, they know what they're doing. I can't believe these people are out in the water. Shot it. Like it's just some farmer that's on vacation that decided like, hey, the waves are big. I'm gonna go check it out. No, these guys know what they're doing. Boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-